We have a, a great um, man of God, really, to kick off this um, first session. He has just returned from a preaching and teaching tour on um, the countries of New Zealand and Australia. Flew in on Monday and uh, is here with us today. And I love this guy. I love his heart for, for God's church. I love his heart for Bible prophecy. I love his, his heart for the scriptures. And uh, he has long, long been somebody that I have looked up to in the Calvary Chapel movement. And so would you please give a very warm welcome to Pastor Barry Stagner. Okay, there were only two directions I could push the switch. I had a 50-50 chance of pushing it the right direction and oh well. Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning, and as uh, Pastor Rob pointed out, uh, I just returned from uh, New Zealand and Australia uh, teaching the book of Revelation. We taught it uh, multiple times in multiple cities in two days, the whole book in two days, and a very fruitful time, and uh, I I have to say I'm still readjusting to U.S. time, so if I doze off during my own message, (laughs) just... Be kind and give me a little nudge and wake me up. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Father, we are so grateful to be in your house with your people, exalting your name, looking to your word, and being equipped for the work of ministry. We pray that this time God would be fruitful for your name's sake and glory and kingdom. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've often considered that it's rather interesting. I I personally believe that the Bible clearly indicates a pre-tribulational rapture, that before the wrath of God is poured out on the world, we will be taken away in a moment and a twinkling of an eye to forever be with the Lord. Now, one of the questions, yeah, amen to that. One of the questions that comes from that is, if we're not going to be here for the content of Revelation 6 through chapter 19, Why does the Lord want us to know about what's going to be going on the earth? And I think the answer is twofold. I do believe that God has given us this information, told us about what's going to happen on the earth to comfort our hearts, to know that there is that twinkling of an eye experience that awaits us and that we do not have an appointment with his wrath and we can comfort one another with those words. But I also believe the secondary or maybe even the primary reason God gave us that information. is not just to comfort our hearts, but to break our hearts. Because people are lost and perishing all around us, and they need Christ. And he is still the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Now, man has had a habit of cataloging the ages of human history. The evolutionists will talk about geological time, an age lasting billions of years in their mind before humans came into being. Geologic time is followed by what's called prehistory, or as we would call it, the Stone Age. It's a time where humans supposedly developed into the anatomically human species that we see today. And the age of supposed gradual development included the first writings of man, the copper and the bronze uh, and iron ages. And this was followed by classical antiquity or the Greco-Roman era. And from the collapse of the Western Roman Empire in 476 A.D., came the Middle Ages, and this was followed by the Renaissance, and then what we would call modern history. 
Modern history includes the industrial age, the machine age, the jet age, the nuclear age, or the atomic era. And we have visited the space age. And finally now, the time in which we live has been dubbed the information age. Now, each of those ages represented technological and cultural norms and advances to specific areas of life that happened during that span of time. Now, the prophet Isaiah also gave us information about a specific time period, a coming age where he said, the Lord is going to arise and shake the earth. Is that day coming? Yes, the Lord is going to arise. He is going to shake the earth as we see in Revelation and elsewhere. In Isaiah chapter 2, 17 to 19, we're told the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. Now, the parallel to Revelation 6, 16 and 17, where men, the mighty men, the great men of the earth and all people hide in the rocks and the caves of the earth, calling upon them to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb who sits on the throne, or him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. And that is leading up to an age where we find this. In Isaiah 3, 4, and 5, we're told, I will give children to their princes, and babes shall rule over them. The people will be oppressed, everyone by one another, and everyone by his neighbor. The child will be insolent toward the elder and the base toward the honorable. And what the Lord is telling us through Isaiah, and it's interesting that Isaiah actually starts his prophecy with how things are going to end. And then he goes into many other details. And in this age that he is pointing to, when the Lord is about to rise and shake the earth mightily, he is going to give the world babes or children as their rulers. Now, I believe this implies incompetent leadership. Is there any of that going on these days? Now, I have always looked at it in the figurative sense. I've always thought, well, that's what he's talking about. Children can't be rulers. Children can't tell people what to do. But what's been happening lately? Who is the face and voice of climate change? An insolent teenage girl who knows nothing about the subject of which she is the international voice for. Are children telling parents, children telling parents what their gender is today? Who rioted in Portland for almost a year a couple of years ago? Almost destroying the whole of the downtown area, both business and property. Young people and uh, were obviously uh, belligerent toward authorities and the authorities bowed to their wishes. Two, three months ago, who caused $1.1 billion of damage in France? Emmanuel Macron blamed it on those who play video games, which are obviously mostly young people. Well, I have to say, I think the Lord is getting ready to rise and shake the earth. I think the end of all things is at hand, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, I think we all need to be reminded that before he does, we, the church, are going to be taken out of the way because we do not, as we said, have an appointment with his wrath that causes the earth dwellers to hide from him. And as we await his return, there's another component of the age when the Lord is about to arise and shake the earth that we need to pay attention to. Now, 
Before Isaiah changes subjects, he's going to talk about the tribulation and the millennium in the opening chapters of his prophecy, his 66-chapter-long prophecy. And this all began, as we read in chapter 2, and it continues through chapter 5, and then he switches gears in chapter 6 and talks about seeing the Lord in that famed passage. But he also says this in another very familiar uh, group of verses in Isaiah 5, 20 to 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise, where? Is that happening today? And prudent in their own sight. Now remember that light and darkness are metaphorical for good and evil. They represent also truth and lies, enlightenment and ignorance. In other words, at the time when the Lord is about to arise and shake the earth, good and evil are going to exchange definitions. Good will be called evil and evil good. Ignorance will be called enlightenment and lies will be called the truth. Is any of that happening today? I submit to you that the Lord is about to arise and shake the earth. And that means we're no longer actually living in the information age, but the title of this session would be fitting for a description of the time in which we live, and it is the misinformation age. And uh, anybody been fact-checked by people who wouldn't know a fact if it hit them in the face? My wife just got flagged on Instagram because she put up the fact that the hottest day in recorded history in America was 150 years ago in Death Valley where the temperature was 135. Well, they flagged her. Why? Because it goes against the climate change narrative. Now, think about this today. Uh, There have been four ice ages in the past outside of the industrial age. The increase of CO2 in the atmosphere obviously brought about and into those ice ages, and humans did not contribute at all to it. But yet we have this agenda being pushed, and because those who are pushing this agenda used to call this global warming, well, when they found out the earth was actually cooling, (laughs) they had to change it to climate change. And I believe in climate change. I just call it weather, (laughs) like it used to be called. Everything is changing today. But what we need to remember, and it's easy to get stirred up about politics, right? It's easy to be aggravated about some of the things going on. By the way, did you hear that Governor Newsom vetoed uh, AB 957? He would not sign it. And this was a bill that would have caused judges to side with parents who sided with their child's gender decision. And he said he shouldn't, he doesn't believe that one single issue should govern uh, the determination of who the child went with. And, uh, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) Now, but as much as we can get frustrated, we have to remember that Satan is behind what's going on. Feelings and emotions have become the determiners and definers of facts and truth. He is behind good being defined as evil and things that were once evil now being defined as good. Satan is behind gender dysphoria. Are you here today? He is behind Christian moral standards being viewed as evil in the eyes of the world today. He is behind those sworn to protect the innocent, punishing the good instead. 
He is behind the political corruption of our day. We know this is true because he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came to accomplish the opposite. He came that we might have life and have it super abundantly. Now, I want to add this as a caveat. Listen, Satan can't make anyone do anything. And man has to be in cooperation with him and his plan and follow after him Following, I should say, after him is strictly a volunteer program. And the primary tool Satan is using today is misinformation, which, of course, leads to deception. And he has enlisted the government to monitor those who oppose his lies with truth. He has enlisted social media platforms to define misinformation based on false information and fabrications. I mean, think about this. We have a Supreme Court justice today a Supreme Court justice who sits in the highest court on the land who cannot tell you, as a woman, what a woman is. Now, as soon as she was asked, do you know what a woman is, and she said no or she couldn't answer, I think the next thing the panel should have said was bye. (laughs) But that's not the politically correct thing to do today. People are completely confused today, but God is not the author of confusion but of peace. And therefore, this confusion we are encountering today has to be driven by the other team. And Paul said to Timothy in the last chapter of his last epistle, he said in 2 Timothy 4, 3, and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have what? Itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables can also be translated as fabrications. Fabrications are things that are made up. What's another three-letter word for things that are made up? A lie. Are we living in the age of lies? In John 8, 44, Jesus said to his favorite group of people, the Pharisees, who he called hypocrites constantly, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan has been convincing many today through the deceiving spirits to switch from teaching apostolic doctrines to the doctrines of demons. He is the father of lies, and our world has by and large bowed to his will. And now, good is called evil, evil is called good, enlightenment and ignorance have traded places and misinformation is the order of the day. Now, in much of the so-called church today, they have made the exchange in their preaching as well, and therefore have joined the advance of the enemy's plan and purposes in advancing the misinformation age. Now, what that tells us is that the misinformation age didn't come about because the wrong political power or party is in power. It is global and spiritual in nature. And the problem is deeper than politics. Aren't you glad there won't be any elections in heaven? But all the elect will be in heaven, thank the Lord. But what we need to remember is that corrupt politics is a symptom, kind of like a headache. It's a symptom of something else. Now, should we treat symptoms? Absolutely. We should take something for our headache, right? But if the headache continues, you have to look for a deeper cause. Our headache today is continuing, and it's even getting worse. And the misinformation age is setting the stage for Beast 1 and Beast 2 of Revelation 13 
to rise to power and beast one to rule the world. We're told in Revelation 13, he is empowered by the dragon, Satan, that serpent of old. And it's a plan bigger than any human government, even though human governments are a driving force behind it. Now, how many have heard about a great reset that's coming? This too is misinformation. Klaus Schwab, George Soros, and Bill Gates are not going to bring about a great reset. Satan is. And my hope for our time today is that we expose it, not only so we can fight it, but so we can be desperate for the lost and the perishing souls that are all around us. Because I believe, as Pastor Rob said, time is short. We are the generation that will not pass away until all things take place. Jesus is coming soon. And when we leave and meet him in the air, it's going to be tough on the earth. And things are going to happen that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy. Now, the misinformation age being used to prepare the world for the man of sin is threefold. Satan is redefining facts, he's disparaging the faith, and he's destroying the family. So let's start with the redefinition and misinformation surrounding facts. And to see that this has been at work for some time, I'll point you to a study of researchers uh, conducted in 1975 at Stanford. A group of undergraduates were invited to take part in a study about suicide. They were presented with pairs of suicide notes. In each pair, one note had been composed by a random individual, the other by a person who had subsequently taken their own life. And the students were asked to distinguish between the genuine notes and the fake ones. And after the test, half of the students were told they got 24 of the 25 notes right. And the other half of the class were told they only got 10 right. But the truth was, all of the students had the same basic percentage of accuracy, 40 to 50%. In other words, both groups, though told different things, were actually the same as far as results. After the truth was revealed, the students were handed another survey that asked how they thought they fared against their fellow students. And the whole group that were originally told they scored well answered that they thought they did better than the rest of the students, even though they had just been told that they scored exactly the same as the other group. And the point was, facts didn't matter. It was only what they were told that they believed. Initially, is what they believed. And we live in an age where belief determines facts and defines truth. And it isn't like it used to be where something was believed because it's true. Today, something is true because it's believed. And things have changed places in so many ways and exchanged definitions. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12, Paul tells the church the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do we live in a delusional world? And it's all in preparation to believe the lie of the Antichrist, that he is God. Satan has long been at work with his unrighteous deception. He's recently upped his game because he knows, as Revelation 12 reports, that he has but a short time. And it's essential that he begin with the manipulation of facts. And we have been watching the most bizarre inundation of indoctrination preparing the world to believe the lie that has ever taken place. That tells us the Lord's coming soon. I'll wait here for that to land out there. The Lord is coming soon. Now, 
Listen to this article from the New York Post. Student called despicable by teacher after challenging a peer who identifies as a cat. A 13-year-old girl was called despicable by her teacher at a Church of England school in the UK uh, after asking a classmate how she identifies as a cat. The schoolgirl and her friend were reprimanded by their teacher at Rye College in East Sussex at the end of an eighth-grade life education class where they were told that they could be who you want to be and how you identify is up to you. Delusion. The Coeur d'Alene Press, just a couple of months back, in June of this year, a gender statement leads to graduation ban for a student at Kellogg High School. He's being banned from participating in his graduation ceremony, the article says, after he made comments about gender during a school assembly. Guys are guys and girls are girls, and there is no in-between. Is that a truth or a lie? Truth. And this 18-year-old Travis Lohr said during a school assembly, which offered graduating seniors the opportunity to impart words of wisdom to the high school's underclassmen. Lohr was informed that after that, he could not be allowed to walk in the graduation ceremony. Now, most of us hear things like that, and we think about the people involved. What we need to remember is that this goes deeper than just delusional people. This is satanic. It is satanic in nature, and it's preparation for the lie told by the man of sin that he is the Savior that the world needs and God personified. Now, here's one thing I think it would be worth jotting down if you're a note-taker here today. Listen, facts and truth must become fluid in order to discredit God's word. Facts and truth must become fluid in order to discredit God's word. Now, think about how long Satan has been up to this. Go all the way back to the garden. He started by questioning God's word in his initial conversation with Eve. He tried twisting scripture to mean something else when he tempted Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness. His latest attempt is what we are seeing today with gender fluidity, which is also anti-science. And isn't it funny how often the church is accused of being anti-science when we're the ones who actually believe science? And we believe not uh, fabricated theories, but the facts of God's word. And listen, if you can be who you want to be and how you identify is up to you, then saying guys are guys and girls are girls and there is no in-between is an unacceptable comment in the misinformation age. And that also means that any book that declares those same things must be disparaged and declared as hate speech as well. Isn't it strange today that words can be an act of violence? Didn't we used to say sticks and stones may break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me? And listen, this declaration of this young man at high school, the Kellogg High School, I wonder where he got that from. Sounds like something that's in the Bible, doesn't it? God created them male and female and, no and, just period. (laughs) Male and female, right? Now, listen, Satan has had our country redefine marriage. Satan has had our country redefine the unborn child as a clump of cells or fetal tissue. Satan has had our country redefine gender, and all of this is in preparation for what's coming. And what's coming, at least in part, is recorded in Revelation 6, 3, and 4. When Jesus opened the second seal, I heard the second, second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, a fiery red horse, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill. And by the way, that word is trans, could be translated as butcher one another. 
And there was given to him a great sword. In other words, many people are going to kill each other during the tribulation. Now let me ask you, was there talk of refusing the unvaccinated medical care during COVID? Absolutely. Isn't that a willingness to harm or kill people that you disagree with? You see, the mentality is already being prepared. Uh, Violence has now entered the gender fluidity debate. Christians have been targeted because of their Bible-based stance on gender. And the attitude to kill the uncooperative is already present in many today and is going to lead to what we see during the tribulation. You know, there was a recent survey that the end result was 2.4 million Americans said they are willing to kill another individual if they disagree with their political views. 2.4 million Americans. Now, the article said, but hey, don't worry, 188 million said they wouldn't. I don't take a whole lot of comfort in that, do you? There's still 2.4 loony birds out there who would kill you if you're of the wrong political party. And listen, the attitude to kill the uncooperative is necessary for what's going to happen in Revelation 13, 14 to 17. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs. This is talking about the second beast, which he was granted to do inside of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to what? To be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one, say no one, no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Is this the ultimate polarization of humanity? Divided into groups who are for those in power and authority and those who are against him and those who are for governmental authority or the beast or antichrist uh, are willing to be complicit in the deaths of those who refuse the mark. And the reason that facts have to become fluid is the Bible is a book of facts. The Bible is a book of spiritual facts. The Bible is a book of moral facts. It even includes historical truths. And if you can discredit the moral portions of the book, the rest is easy to discard. Did God create two genders? Did God say marriage is between heterosexual male and female couples only? Did God say we're all sinners? Did God say there's only one Savior? Well, marriage has been redefined. The Bible's position has been relegated to the position of unacceptable. Gender has become a choice and not biological, chemical, and genetic fact. And thus, those who hold a biblical position are out of step and uncooperative with the masses today. And thus, they have to be dealt with, as does the book they follow. You see, Satan's after the Word of God. And the Word of God is also a picture of Jesus himself in John 1.1. In order to combat a belief, you have to destroy the source of that belief. Think about it today. Listen, a heterosexual male who would stand naked in front of children would immediately be cuffed and hauled away. But if a homosexual male stands naked in front of children at a pride parade, their parents will applaud what is that? Is that true today? Absolutely. Facts and truth have become fluid, and the devil's plan is advancing. And when facts are changeable and subjective, then fact-based faith is going to suffer the same fate as biological, chemical, and genetic facts. Is our faith under fire today? Listen to the Christian headlines. There's been a follow-up story of late uh, about promise keepers as well. Promise keepers gets canceled by Christian University 
over Bible-based gender statements. Promise Keeper says a prominent Christian university canceled an upcoming event after the men's ministry released a statement on sexuality and gender. Promise Keeper said Monday had previously booked a daring faith event in multiple cities, including Nashville, where it was to be held at Belmont University. And Belmont's goal is to be the leading Christ-centered university in the world, according to its website. So what they do? They canceled the event after the men's ministry released a statement reaffirming its support for the biblical, biological, sexual identity of male and female, man and woman, in the context of marriage. The university cited a conflict in values. Well, they have one for sure. Many of you probably heard about what happened in Germany from uh, the Associated Press. And this headline says, Can Chatbot Preach a Good Sermon? And hundreds attend a church service generated by ChatGPT to find out. Artificial intelligence asks believers in a fully packed St. Paul's church in the Bavarian town of Firth to rise from the pews and praise the Lord. The ChatGPT chatbot personified by a, uh, the avatar of a bearded black man on a huge screen, and it wasn't Tony Clark, by the way. <laughs> right, brother? <laughs> then began preaching to the more than 300 people who had shown up on Friday morning for an experimental Lutheran church service Uh, almost entirely generated by artificial intelligence. The 40-minute service, including the sermon, the prayers, and the music, was created by ChatGPT and Jonas uh, Simmerlein, a theologian and philosopher from the University of Vienna. His statement was, I conceived this service, but actually I rather accompanied it because I'd say about 98% comes from the machine, the 29-year-old scholar told the Associated Press. What's going to happen during the tribulation? There's going to be an image that people will worship and follow after. Is the stage being set? Well, this is interesting that this happens, and and there was a test run, so to speak, in a church. And what we have to remember about this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, as Satan is seeking to destroy the faith, uh, Paul said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he describes them as men being lovers of themselves. Is that happening today? Lovers of money, bolsters proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Read the last sentence out loud. And from such people, is it up there? (laughs) From such people, Turn away. Now, what's often overlooked in this passage is that last sentence indicates that Paul is not talking about what the world's going to look like. The world's always looked like that. Paul's saying that's what the church is going to look like. Are we supposed to turn away from the world or go to it and preach the gospel? Are we supposed to turn away from false teaching and teachers? So this is what he's talking about. He's talking about turning away this infiltration into the church. We're to go to this messed up world and preach the gospel to every creature. What we're to turn away from is heresy and false teachings and those who teach fabrications instead of facts. Yet today, instead of doing what the Bible says, many are welcoming those things. And today to be Christ-like is defined as being nice and accepting of everyone, being loving and kind. Now, obviously being loving and kind is something that we need to have. That's how the whole world knows we're his disciples, by the love we have for one another. Amen? Amen. But let me ask this. Doesn't being Christ-like include turning over the money changers' tables? 
Doesn't being Christ-like include calling religious deceivers hypocrites? Didn't Jesus do those things? Didn't he tell the Pharisees, we just read it earlier, that they were of their father, the devil? Well, the world says, no, that kind of talk shouldn't be coming from the church. This unaccepting behavior is unacceptable in the misinformation age. And these two stories we just read a moment ago is exactly what the devil has been trying to accomplish in these last days. If gender becomes fluid, then God can be either father or mother. If he can convince the group that claims to believe the Bible is the word of God and that culture makes the rules and the Bible is subject to cultural trends, then he has destroyed saving faith because you cannot separate the word of God from the God of the word. They are inseparable. I'll wait here. Now, hey, listen, I'm the one that's tired. What was the first attribute Paul mentioned that would make the last days perilous? Men would be lovers of who? Themselves. Later, he says they would love pleasure over loving God. And in between are a mess of other character flaws. But loving self and pleasure over God is the cause of the rest of the list in between the two. And listen, here's our second point of observation. Listen, when man becomes consumed with satisfying self, they'll have little or no concern for their souls. When man becomes consumed with satisfying self, they'll have little or no concern for their souls. Newsweek, of all places, reported uh, a couple of months back that religious freedom is under attack like never before. Historically, religion and its adherents have been often oppressed by the government. By contrast, America has been singular in its dedication to preserving the freedom of its people to expect and experience religious freedom. That is now rapidly changing. The number of violent attacks on churches and church gatherings witnessed in recent months is unsettling, Newsweek said. Protesters and rioters across the country have decapitated statues of Jesus, desecrated images of the Virgin Mary, vandalized monuments to a Jesuit priest. Churches in D.C. and California have been set ablaze as symbols of oppression. Fire, chain, and boot are the tool and trade of a culture laying siege to religious freedom. Now, using the pandemic as an excuse, elective officials have threatened to permanently shut down synagogues, ban drive-in churches, and forbidden singing or chanting in religious services. Don't tell Newsom, but we sang anyway. (laughs) A nation truly committed to religious freedom in a time of natural crisis would welcome the essentiality of religion's exercise, not ban it. The Christian Post said 63 churches were attacked in the first three months of 2023. 69 acts of vandalism against churches occurred in the first quarter of this year, constituting, or, uh, constituting rather, a significant increase in the number of attacks compared to previous years. And uh, the Family Research Council uh, reported in their report uh, hostility against churches uh, in this uh, report concerning the first quarter of the year that January saw the highest number of church attacks 43 documented incidents, 14 acts of vandalism occurred in February, and 12 in March. Paul warned Timothy of deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons and a coming time where sound doctrine will not be tolerated. And the misinformation age is not, however, all about the apostasy that renders much of the church ineffective and irrelevant, but the misinformation age is the destruction of the mission of the church, which is to tell people they are sinners 
in need of a Savior. And you know, this is not popular today, and I always find it curious to hear the argument, people don't like to be told they're sinners today. Like they used to. (laughs) Nobody's ever liked that, right? But do we need to hear that? Do we need to hear the wages of sin is death? Do we need to hear the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord? Do we need to hear that God demonstrated his own love toward us? uh, We were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. People need to hear that today. And when you change the facts about the responsibility of acknowledging your sin, you change the necessity of forgiveness. I hope we're starting to see the Bible is right. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, though they are the vehicles through which the spiritual war is being manifested. And the faith that has saved souls and changed lives for millennia is no longer viewed as a contributing factor for the good of the country and world. The Christian faith in particular is the enemy of the greater good, and the sentiment is crossing over into the realm of physical confrontation of violence, which will reach its zenith under the beast reign during the tribulation, which we will not be present for. Thank you, ladies, the two amens I got there. We will not be present for the tribulation, amen? And what a crazy, bizarre world that this has become. And in order for the plan of the enemy to work, the fact that Christianity has had a positive influence on every culture and country where it has been allowed to flourish has to be eradicated. What's the tool? Misinformation. Lies and redefining of facts and truth. In 1 John 2.18, the beloved says, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now remember, Antichrist is not just a person. As a matter of fact, uh, the person is referred to more frequently as the beast, the first beast of Revelation. But the word Antichrist means instead of or against. And are there things that are replacing Christ today? Are there people against Christ today? And this spirit has been brewing around the world for a long time, all the way back into John's day at the end of the first century, and it's begun to manifest itself today in ways and places it's never been seen before. There have always been God-haters, right? There's always been Christian killers. But in post-Christian, previously heavily Christian areas, the persecution of Christians is on the rise. The Baptist Press reports, more youth have negative views of Christianity, according to the Barna Group. Only 16% of non-Christians in their late teens and 20s say they have a good impression of Christianity. And one of the most frequent criticisms is that the church has made homosexuality a bigger sin than anything else, according to a recent study by Barna. A growing sense of disengagement and disillusionment has caused 16 to 29-year-olds to exhibit a greater degree of criticism toward Christianity than it did of previous generations when they were the same stage of life, Barna said. In fact, the research indicated the age group is more skeptical of and resistant to Christianity than were people of the same age only a decade ago. And common, common negative perceptions that today's youth have Barnes said, or that Christianity is judgmental. Well, Christ is the judge of the whole earth. Amen? Amen. Uh, hypocritical. You know, I always uh, find a bit comical the argument that, um, you know, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites. <laughs> I'm thinking that's a good place for a hypocrite, don't you? <laughs> and they're, they're saying that like there's none in the world. 
And these arguments are ridiculous. Uh, Well, it's just old-fashioned. Or the church is too involved in politics. And that, again, is a bit comical. I always find it curious that so many people have negative things to say about the church being involved in politics. I want you to think about this. In Romans 13, God instituted and initiated human government. Politics is the corruption of human government. He instituted human government, and if God creates an institution, do you think he wants the devil's kids running it? Christians need to be involved, amen? And because they haven't been, we have the country we have today. And the truth is, all of these perceptions are based on people who hold to biblical Christianity. And listen, let me just, can I just talk to you for a minute? We're not here to win a popularity contest. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you're going to be hated by all for my name's sake. And, and we somehow, many today in the church, have decided that, you know, we have to present this picture to the world that, that they're willing to accept and, and kind of sneak them in the back door of the church and then hit them with the truth later. No, that's not how you preach the gospel. You know, part of the gospel is judgment. I mean, think about, uh, the, you remember that guy named Jonah? He was excited to go to Nineveh, (laughs) right? The Lord said, I want you to go to the capital of the Assyrians, those wicked and hateful people who have a a heinous reputation amidst the whole of the known world at the time, and I want you to tell them that I have a plan for them. And Jonah said, awesome, I'm in. (laughs) No, he said, where's that boat to Tarshish? Well, God can get you where you need to be, and he can use interesting modes of transportation to do so. Did Jonah wind up where he was supposed to be? Did he preach to them? What was his message? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What did he preach? Judgment was coming. What happened? Everybody from the king to the commoner repented. And there was a revival in Assyria that lasted for 100 years. Why? He preached that judgment was coming. And we can't shy away from this. And even though the world doesn't like it and want to hear it or want to hear it, we have to stay true to the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, this is why Satan has been working overtime to change the definitions of evil and good. To disparage and declare evil the only faith that can save the human soul which is the Christian faith. Have you noticed that the media is never out there criticizing Islam? They're never out there criticizing the Buddhist or any other belief system or Hinduism or any of those other things. Is there only one collective group that has the truth that can make men free? And who is it? It's us. And who is Satan attacking? He's attacking us. And listen, even that statement is viewed as negative today. To say that Christianity is the exclusive way to heaven is disrespectful to other religions and points of view is the argument many would make. But again, the most important part about this is that we recognize that what is going on in our country and world is spiritual. And politics is just a vehicle. Satan has been manipulating people into redefining facts, reversing the definitions of good and evil. And his goal is not to get more people to be more evil His target is to make the world think that the Christian faith is evil. And Satan doesn't care if you're the nicest person on the planet who cares about others and has a life filled with kindness and good works. He knows what keeps people out of heaven is rejecting that Jesus is Savior and Lord and nothing else. 
And he knows if he can get people to see Christianity as evil or simply in opposition to the greater good and a utopian atmosphere on earth where everyone does what they like, then he can keep people from coming to Christ. And he has convinced the world to change how facts are arrived at so he can manipulate the facts regarding the Christian faith. After all, we already reported in John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. And Jesus, I have come that they might have life and have it more, what? <laughs> abundantly. That word can actually be translated as super abundantly. I like that, don't you? The thief has one mission, to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he after? Human souls. And in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul points out, no wonder for Satan himself transforms, you can translate that word as masquerades, into an angel of light. And the only way Satan can pull off his charade is by masquerading as a champion of the greater good. And he has to first convince man to redefine the facts about what truth and good is. And if he can redefine the facts, he can destroy the Christian faith in the eyes of the world. And thus his next victim of the misinformation campaign, his next target, will be the family. Now, if you're thinking, well, the destruction of the faith would be the final goal of the enemy, it's actually the breakdown of the family that accomplishes his goal more effectively. Because a true believer's faith is unshakable. And you know, many people today would like to say, you know, the church is falling apart. The church is doing fine. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's just a lot of stuff that's called church that ain't church. But the church is doing fine. There's always a remnant of faithful believers. And many of them are at Calvary Vista on September 23rd at 9.45. Amen. And what we have to remember is what one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. Say no weapon. No weapon. no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. Says who? Says the Lord. Now, listen, a lot of people say, well, that was written to Israel. Listen, anything that is written in the Old Testament that has application to God's nature and character, which does not change, we are free to appropriate as the church today. And God doesn't change. Our righteousness is still from him, right? Are we servants of the Lord? Then no weapon formed against us will prosper. And family is the enemy's end game. And I want to prove the point and then make it. This is according to psychology today. Listen, researchers have found the results of father absence on children are nothing short of disastrous. Listen, I'm going to give you a list. I won't read everything that is written underneath it, but just a basic headline. Children's diminished self-concept and compromised physical and emotional security and report of feeling abandoned when their fathers are not involved in their lives. Behavioral problems. Fatherless children have more difficulties with social adjustment. Again, this is secular psychology today. And are more likely to report problems with friendships and manifest behavioral problems. Truancy and poor academic performance. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Fatherless children have more trouble academically scoring poorly on tests of reading, math, and thinking skills. Delinquency and youth crime, including violent crime. 85% of youth in prison have an absent father. Promiscuity and teen pregnancy, fatherless children are more likely to experience problems with sexual health, including a greater likelihood of having intercourse before the age of 16. If you don't know what intercourse is, you can ask Pastor Rob later. (laughs) 
Drug and alcohol abuse. Fatherless children are more likely to smoke, drink alcohol, abuse drugs in childhood and adulthood. Homelessness. Listen, 90% of runaway children have an absent father. Exploitation and abuse. Fatherless children are at a greater risk of suffering physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, being five times more likely to experience, have experienced physical abuse and emotional maltreatment, and a hundred times higher risk of fatal abuse. Physical health problems. Fatherless children report significantly more psychosomatic health symptoms. Mental health disorders. Father absent children are consistently overrepresented on a wide range of mental health problems. Life chances. As adults, fatherless children are more likely to experience unemployment, have low incomes, remain on social assistance, and experience homelessness. Future relationships. Father absent children tend to enter partnerships earlier and are more likely to divorce or dissolve their cohabiting uh, uh, unions. Mortality. Fatherless children are more likely to die as children and live an average of four years less of a lifespan. What are we hearing about today? Toxic masculinity. They're trying to remove the influence of the father in the home. And even psychology today is saying this is disastrous in its results on society. And listen, if Satan can destroy the family unit, the effects are catastrophic and reach well beyond the individual that experiences it. Now, here's the point we just proved. Listen, when you destroy the family, you destroy the future. When you destroy the family, you destroy the future. Think about all the stats we just read and how the breakdown of the nuclear family has consequences that are felt into the future. And listen, Satan went after masculinity because masculinity is the backbone of a strong and safe society. Satan went after women because they are the heart and beauty of a strong and healthy society. Satan then turned his focus on the children because they are the future of society. But there's an even more catastrophic impact that is the ultimate target of Satan's attack on the family. And in 1 John 3, 1, John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called, what? The children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Satan has attacked facts and truth in an effort to discredit our faith in the eyes of the world as unloving and uncaring people. And if we are unloving and uncaring, then the one we associate ourselves with must be like us too. This is why we hear so many, how could a God of love accusations against him today? If God is love and good, why is there death? Why is there pain? Why is there sorrow? Why do children suffer? Why is there cancer? Why is there tragedy? And on and on it goes. And the misinformation age has a purpose in the plan of the enemy, and that is this. Revelation 6, 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been what? Slain. For what? The word of God. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. And the fact that this group asks the Lord how long before he avenges their blood on the earth dwellers tells us that the earth dwellers were complicit in their deaths. 
And I believe that this hatred for men and the family is setting the stage for the Antichrist and his followers to turn on those who come to Christ during the tribulation, which is after the rapture. All right, we're getting closer. (laughs) Well, listen, all this to say, and one of my, uh, I think, most important uh, verses that I always want to keep in mind whenever talking about Bible prophecy is what Jesus entered, uh, introduced in the end of the teaching sec- section of the sermon, or the Olivet Discourse, rather. And that was in Matthew twenty four forty four, where he said, Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Recent numbers report that including all who lay claim to being a Christian, even if that's a birth certificate identity, Amongst all the people who claim to be Christian, the number totals 2.42 billion people. 2.42 billion people claim to be Christians in our world today. Of the 2.42 billion people, 6.6% say they believe in the rapture. That means 93.4% of people who say they are Christians are not expecting to be caught up in a moment in a twinkling of an eye to forever be with the Lord. We are living at a time of low expectation. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Amen. And I think one of the most important things for us to remember about this statement is that when he's ready, it's too late to get ready. Because it's going to happen that fast. I hope you're ready today. And really, this is one of the the multiple reasons we do these things. It's, It's not just, you know, to... Uh, talk about the incredible things that are going to be going on that we're going to miss. It's about to recognize that there's coming a moment in time where faster than that, we're going to be looking at Jesus. I was here a couple months ago, I think, or three, four months ago on a Wednesday night, and I think we did a little exercise, and I want you to do it right now. I'm going to ask you to do something real quick. You ready? Blink once. Did you blink? One of these times when you do that, when you open your eyes, you're going to be looking at Jesus. I don't want to get into all of the things we've heard about. Well, actually, the twinkle of an eye is, uh, you know, a blink is good enough. That's something we can all measure, right? One of these days, boom, man, we're going to be looking at Jesus. That's why the decision has to be made now. You have to be ready now. How, How do you get ready? Well, you must be born again. We're seeing all the things that the Bible said is going to happen. Here we've got the coalition of forces of the Ezekiel War scenario now operating together, three of them on the northern border of Israel, poised to strike when God puts a hook in their jaw and draws them down from the north. All of these nations are in economic trouble. And what is the protesting nation saying? Well, today, the Saudis, who are Sheba and Dedan, are making overtures toward Israel, and they are the ones that are going to protest this invasion. And what's their protest going to consist of? It's going to be, have you come to take plunder and booty? Is this an economically motivated invasion? And here you've got all these countries in major economic distress, and Israel is flourishing. They're finding natural gas off their coast. They're now finding uh, petroleum in the uh, or oil in the Golan and elsewhere. And none of these things can the Russians afford to enter into the European gas and oil market. They can't afford competition that drives the price down. 
And yet here Israel is flourishing, and this is not something that uh, these nations are, are, are pleased with. And so all these things are taking place. Uh, we have a world today that does not, a church today, by and large, much of which does not endorse sound doctrine, right? And they heap up for themselves teachers. I mean, you look around our, our own country, and there are massive churches that don't teach the Bible. I mean, they'll throw a verse out of here or there to sound spiritual, but the rest of the time is about feeling good, being a good friend, how to ride your bike. You know, I don't know what else the stuff they, they teach. But, you know, according to the Apostle Paul, God gave to the church a foundation of uh, apostles and prophets. And then he continues the church through the ministry of uh, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then he goes on in Ephesians 4 to say that the purpose of the evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's why we have church. So you can leave here and go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, you know, uh, it, one of the things I think we need to recognize in these last days is that in the parable of the soils, in this picture that Jesus painted, he didn't have a different seed for different soil. It was one seed that was thrown on all soils. And whatever our culture is doing today, whatever is popular today, whatever is acceptable today, doesn't change the gospel seed. We go to the world and preach the same old gospel that Peter preached on Pentecost, to Jews who were complicit in putting Jesus on the cross. And he didn't mince any words. You know, remember, this is the guy that denied Jesus three times, said, I don't even know him, and accompanied that with an oath. And then here we have some 40 days later, what's he doing? This same Jesus whom you crucified, the Father has made him both Lord and Christ. You know, he's speaking to the same group of people that killed the Messiah. That's boldness. And that's what we need in these last days. Amen? Amen. We're not here to be popular, but we are here to be accurate. We are here to preach the truth and speak it in love. And I hope and pray that everybody here is ready because he could come for us before the end of this message. (laughs) Amen? Father, we are grateful for our time together this morning. And Thank you, Lord, that Pastor Rob has the wisdom to keep people informed and let them know of the urgency and lateness of the hour. And Lord, we thank you most of all that you have given us such great insight and detail as to what to be looking for. We know we can't know the day or the hour. We're not foolish enough to make predictions. But you did tell us quite clearly in Hebrews we can see the day approaching. You told us through Daniel that uh, the visions he had were for the time of the end. And would only be clear to those living at that time. And Lord, we thank you that we can see the day approaching. And I believe even hear the hoofbeats of the horsemen off in the distance. But thank you that you made a way of escape through Christ Jesus our Lord. That we can indeed be taken in that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus in the air. And forever be with you. I pray, Lord, that all here are ready this morning. And I pray that all here are ready to tell others how to be ready. So embolden us, I pray. And Lord, I pray over this group, Acts 4.31. says, and when they prayed, the place they were in was shaken. And they all spoke the word of God with boldness. May we speak the word of God with boldness like never before. 
as we leave this place today. Thank you for our time together. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.